Yes, he does respond to me. Um, Broadcasting live from the Capitol OTB studios, this is Racing Across America with Seth Merrow. Good morning. Welcome to Racing Across America on this Sunday morning. I am Seth Merrow. Thanks for joining us. A uh, little Sunday morning action as usual. We'll recap some of the stakes action. There was plenty of it uh, yesterday. Lots of stakes at Woodbine. Lots of stakes at Churchill. We'll be joined uh, later in the show by our friend Frank Besby from theracingbiz.com. Um, he was at Pimlico yesterday for the nice stakes day uh, they had. We talked to John Piasek yesterday uh, in preview of that, and we'll review some of the nice stakes yesterday at Pimlico towards the end of the show. But again, plenty of Woodbine, plenty of Churchill. Um, also going to pull up uh, from last Tuesday. I had it scheduled for yesterday, and I didn't get to it. We'll pull up from Tuesday the uh, Prince of Wales stakes out at Fort Erie. Talked a little bit about it yesterday with Ron Gearkink. We had him on in preview of uh, Woodbine Mile Day and the nice stakes at Woodbine. Ron, of course, covers Woodbine for uh, the daily racing for him, so we'll do the Fort Erie stake as well. And we'll toss in the uh, Jockey Club Oaks Invitational at Belmont as well. All of that coming up on this Sunday morning edition of Racing Across America. Uh, let me remind you that today is a football Sunday here at the Clubhouse Racebook. Come on down, enjoy all the football action and all the horse racing action right here at Clubhouse Racebook, 7-Eleven Central Avenue in Albany. We'll see what the Jets can, can do and follow up to uh, their nice win to start the season, although four plays. How could I only get four plays out of Aaron Rodgers? Uh, by Syracuse, uh, as an alumni of Syracuse, alumnus, uh, it was uh, nice to watch the, the win on NBC last night. Uh, they got primetime coverage and looked pretty good against Purdue. Man, the quarterback, four rushing touchdowns, and he could have had a fifth, I think, that last drive where they were just trying to run out the clock. I, they didn't replay it in a fashion that, that at least I didn't see. I, uh, again, they had a couple of replays but in a fashion that guaranteed he was going to get in. But it looked like the field was, it was a crazy play. It was a crazy good fake. He kind of put the ball on his hip and watched the guy he faked it to go into the line, and everybody bought it, and then he reversed and went around, and nobody was there. Um, but again, at that point, they were just trying to run out the clock, so he just starts trotting down the field and then falls falls down to, you know, let the clock uh, and I, my thinking was, if you can run in for a touchdown, run in for the touchdown. That's as good as running out the clock. You would have been three scores ahead at that point, and so it would have been done. But it, it was going to work out either way. Run out the clock, you're ahead a couple of scores. But Syracuse now 3-0. and You know, we'll see. Two of the opponents were a little bit overmatched. Uh, but last night, a Big Ten opponent looked pretty good against Purdue. So, so far for me, I'm, what, Three weeks into the uh, college season, one week into the NFL season, and things are coming up roses. But being a Jets fan, uh, that can't last. We'll see. Uh, 
do want to remind you that coming up on Friday, I'm going to have $150 uh, late pick five bankroll. Um, you can enter online for that, and the uh, online entries will open up on Wednesday at the uh, website. So keep that in mind. Wednesday, entries will open up for uh, the online bankroll. Probably, probably open up when I come in here on because uh, I'm usually the one that clicks that on the website. So I'll probably do it when I come in. Uh, just before I go on the air Wednesday afternoon sometime. Um, so again, keep that in mind. They'll be open for a day, day and a half or so. Plenty of time for you to get your entry in uh, to see if you can make the Friday OTV Live $150 Pick 5 bankroll team. All right. Um, as noted, lots of great action yesterday, but we're going to start out going back to Tuesday. I talked a little bit about this one with Ron Gearkink. Um Second leg of the Canadian Triple Crown, which is very unique because the first leg is now on the synthetic. It would bind the second leg on the dirt at Fort Erie, and the third leg will go on the grass at Woodbine. So it's a tough triple to uh, put in the back pocket, but um, Paramount Prince was trying it for uh, Mark Cassie, having won the King's Plate and won pretty nicely. I thought I, I scratched my head at the price. The 8-1 price uh, Paramount Prince won the, the Kings played at because it was Mark Cassie who does so well at Woodbine. Coming off a win in the plate trial, but they let the horse escape a little bit. So Paramount Prince had won the Kings plate and wound up um, going off at 5-2 um, as the second choice, surprisingly, um, in the uh, Prince of Wales this past Tuesday. The favorite was Stanley House, um, who had run third in the uh, King's Plate. So again, it was a little bit surprising that the betting public went in that direction. Stanley House, the favorite, runs a uh, disappointing seventh. Paramount Prince is the number eight and set all the fractions and, and gets caught here and gets caught for second even. You can see him uh, there on the, the rail. But the winner was Velocitor, the number 10. Paramount Prince ran very well uh, in defeat. Paramount Prince was out in early fractions on an off track, as you can see. This is last Tuesday at Fort Erie. Uh, 22 and change, 45 and change, 110 and change. And Paramount Prince was setting the fractions and was pushed by um, 13 to 1 Ottawa. Ottawa, who was right up there early on those fractions with Paramount Prince, winds up running last in the field of 11. So Paramount Prince uh, ran very well, pushed with the early fractions and held on and just missed second, got caught a neck back uh, in third from second place. But Velocitor uh, kind of was sitting off of those early pace setters, made the first run and got it done. I said yesterday with Ron Gearkink, though, I, boy, if you played Velocitor, I'm not sure he got paid correctly. Velocitor $17.70. But Velocitor had finished fourth behind Paramount Prince in the uh, King's Plate at 71 to 1. Had finished fourth behind Paramount Prince in the Plate Trial at 45 to 1. And goes off uh, Tuesday at 7 to 1. So again, look good. Got it done. Congratulations. It just seemed like an oddly short price given what the horse had gone off at and run fourth in both of them in the previous two races. Um, so as I say, you know, you got $17 and change. You're going to take that to the back. It, it, gets, it spends just the same whether the odds were right or not, but the odds just seemed a little short there 
on that one. As I say, Paramount prints up, ran well. Uh, we'll see who shows up in the uh, third leg. Uh, again, now no Triple Crown up there on the line with Paramount Prince getting uh, beaten. But both races, I mean, the Kings Plate this year, 17 out of Fort Erie. One scratch, you had a nice field of 11. So uh, both legs of the uh, Canadian Triple Crown so far attracting uh, nice fields in there. All right, we will uh, move on now to some of the action from yesterday and we'll start out Belmont at the Big A yesterday completed their uh, series, the uh, triple for the, the three-year-old Phillies. Uh, first leg was the Belmont Oaks back in July. The second leg, the Saratoga Oaks in August. And the third leg was the Jockey Club Oaks Invitational yesterday at a mile and three-eighths. I, uh, I was against the Apple. It seems like the Appleby juggernaut had slowed down enough that uh, you could maybe take a shot against. I thought Highland Grace for a Barkley tag was interesting coming off the win on July 4th. Now, it had been on the sidelines since, but it had been working okay. So I went with Highland Grace, um, and that one went off as the second choice at 3-1. to one. The favorite was the Charlie Appleby horse. I had that one down in the third spot. Um, I thought Sperling Beag uh, was maybe a little bit interesting, but... Appleby gets it done, and we'll see. Uh, this wasn't the only uh, North American race he, he scored with. Um, you can see the Appleby horse coming on the outside. Big late charge under Jamie Spencer. Going to get up and get it done by a neck over. Uh, and I'm just trying to... Nisi Marie, I'm assuming is how you pronounce that. Nisi Marie, who went off at 14-1. to 1. And then Sperling Big ran third, and the horse I liked, Highland Grace, fourth in there. But Jamie Spencer and uh, Charlie Appleby combined to uh, get it done with Eternal Hope. Uh, again, a horse that had had five starts over in Europe and had faced some nice ones over there. So on the company lines, uh, maybe deserved to, to wind up as the favorite. Goes off at even money, $4 uh, the price and uh, gets the third win in six career starts, including um, a, a grade three victory yesterday uh, here. That was the first grade or group win for the Godolphin runner. Um, had only tried a couple of group races over in Europe. The two wins were in ungraded, ungroup stakes races or races, one of them was a little stake, one was a maiden race. Um, but it tried the Epsom Oaks, was well beaten in that grade one uh, at Epsom, followed it up with a third at Dovey uh, in a group two, and then comes over here and gets the uh, grade three race uh, to sweep the three-year-old Philly Turf Series in New York for the Euros. Uh, that first leg, uh, the Belmont Oaks back in July, it was Aspen Grove up at Saratoga, Elusive Princess, um, and again, uh, all of them Euros. So Euros do manage to sweep the New York series for the three-year-old girls. Um, and that was at Belmont yesterday with Charlie Appleby getting it done there. All right, let's uh, move on to uh, Woodbine and we'll kind of work our way up to the Woodbine mile. Nice uh, card yesterday that included the two two-year-old stakes, two-year-old two win in your ends. Um, I talked to Tom Bellhouse a couple of days, a few days ago, um, and, and you know he noted they were headed up there 
with uh, Carson's run. Carson's run had broken the maiden in the career debut at Saratoga uh, back at the end of July. Then at the end of August, tried the with anticipation and finished a very close up second to Gala Brand, who I think is a, a very talented runner. So that was a nice effort. Dylan Davis was on board for both of those races at Saratoga, and he shipped up to Woodbine yesterday to uh, ride Carson's run in the uh, summer stakes. My Boy Prince was the nine to five favorite. Now the race was delayed a little bit when My Boy Prince had to have a shoe repair. So I don't know whether that's notable or not, but My Boy Prince as the favorite winds up second after having set all of the early pace. But coming from way back early, Carson's run the number two horse. You can see on the outside there under Dylan Davis will get it done and eventually win pretty easily. The chart margin's over two lengths. My Boy Prince uh, gutsy holds on for a second, the number three horse, and go with gusto, runs third. But again, it's our friends at West Point Thoroughbreds and Company, Christophe Clement, trainee. This was win number two and start number three, and it is a, a grade one win on the resume, also being a win in your in-race. Um, so I would certainly assume with the West Point connections, they will be headed to uh, the Breeders' Cup. Uh, in the juvenile turf off a nice victory. Uh, they, they have a nice little one. And then they had the winner of the Virginia Derby the other day uh, on the three-year-old turf side of things. So uh, West Point um, going, going gangbusters on the turf in the last what week, couple of weeks uh, with some nice wins, including that win up at uh, Woodbine yesterday that, as I say, sends them to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, again, when we talked to uh, Ron Gearkink yesterday, we talked a little bit about the Vigil, a grade three event for the sprinters, and noted that this race was going to be interesting because of Patches O'Houlihan, who going into yesterday's Vigil was six for seven overall. Um, came in with a, a, a five-race win streak. An Ontario bred that had a couple of stakes races, two and three back, that were restricted stakes races, but in the prior start had won a group three, an open, obviously, group three, grade three, uh, the Bold Venture, and had done that pretty easily. Just a really talented runner. Five for five um, over the Woodbine uh, main track. The lone loss was on the turf at Woodbine last year, but this year had followed up and, and gotten a, a turf win uh, at Woodbine. But on the synthetic side of things, five for five, and uh, Patches O'Houlihan goes off as the six to five favorite yesterday. Had to work for it. Patches O'Houlihan is the number six horse here. Last American exit as the, long, yeah, the longest price in the field, the number five horse uh, is going to give him all he can ask for as they get close to the wire. And uh, Secret Reserve runs third, Rock Crest runs fourth. You can see they're right there on the wire. But you could kind of, I mean, live, I felt Patches O'Houlihan had held when they showed the slow-mo replay. You could see uh, it, it was a nice ding-dong finish. I mean, we're talking a chart margin, nose, head, neck amongst the first four. But on, uh, live, it felt that way. And then when you watch the replay, uh, the slow-mo, you could tell that Patches O'Houlihan had held on. Um, so, again, this is a very talented uh, sprinter based up in uh, Canada and Woodbine, who is now 7 for 8 lifetime. you got to love that. But also notable, trained by Robert Tiller, 
who trained uh, Pink Lloyd, who was very, very talented on the sprint side uh, up in Canada as well. So he follows it up now with a very talented sprinter again. But it was also notable, the follow-up articles said Robert Tiller, he missed the race. He was stuck in an elevator, which, <laughs> which that Woodbine elevator that would take you from the... Uh, uh, and that may not have been the elevator he was in, but I will note the Woodbine elevator that takes you from the, the press box floor, which is up in the top of the facility, and brings you down a few floors to where you can kind of move around. Uh, <laughs> it may be the slowest elevator of all time. So, uh, and again, that may not have been the elevator, but may be indicative of other elevators <laughs> in the facility. Uh, I can remember being up there and you, you you leave the press box and you want to go someplace to get an interview or whatnot, and you kind of, oh, okay, we're, we're on a little bit of a schedule here, and you can time it. You, you know, you stand by the door and press the button. You time it with a sundial. Uh, so, so, so as I say, it may just be indicative of the situation. But Robert Tiller missed the race because he was stuck in an elevator up there, which I, I found uh, appropriate, I suppose. But uh, nonetheless... Happy to get the victory and uh, happy to be down in the winner's circle and, and happy to have a horse like uh, Patches O'Houlihan, who, again, very, very good. All right, on the uh, female side of things, and we noted yesterday uh, when we talked to Ron Gearkink, these two-year-old stakes were intriguing to, uh, to see how they played out when scratches came because some of the fillies were cross-entered in the boys' race. Um, and wound up over there. And so it was kind of like, mm, who's going to go? Uh, you know, go with gusto uh, was one of those. And uh, she winds up a nice third in the uh, boys' version for uh, Mark Cassie. So she scratches out of the Natalma. Arosa also scratched out of the Natalma. I like Brock Nardini. Oof. He was horrible. She was horrible. Off the uh, debut win. Up at Saratoga, just showed a nothing uh, there. Had a little troubled start, but not enough to, to run as poorly as uh, she did. She feels pretty the eventual winner. I had uh, down at the bottom of my, of my mix. Um, but I will note, it's the number 11 horse. So you can see uh, right there, starting to make the move under Johnny V. Johnny Velasquez was on board. Uh, she feels pretty getting it done running second uh was simply in front at 29 to 1 the uh, seven horse and dazzling star gets up for a third in here um she feels pretty coming out of a debut win at ellis but back in the middle of july so it was kind of notable a little bit of a layoff uh the win was okay nice gutsy win the the buyer wasn't much but as i say i put the horse in the bottom of the mix uh, because uh, by Karakantai, so lived up to that, winning the first out, um, and trained by Cherie DeVoe, who is doing very well. But it was also notable, speaking of Cherie DeVoe, her, I think her sister uh, was the one that was quoted in the, the follow-ups uh, as her assistant was up in Woodbine, obviously taking care of things. And she noted first grade one for Cherie DeVoe. So again, uh, congratulations to the team there. We had her on up at Saratoga towards uh, the beginning of the meet as she was kind of bouncing back and forth Saratoga in her Kentucky base. And this one did get it done at that Kentucky base uh, this summer back in July. Now two for two, the maiden breaker and a grade one uh, worth uh, 
the better part of a half a million dollar purse. So again, congratulations to uh, Cherie DeVoe and company, Lyle Stable and Johnny Velasquez on the win. First grade one win, and like the boys version, I believe, I, I'm virtually certain, a win in your end. So we'll see if they head to, uh, you would think, that'll be the game plan, head to the Breeders' Cup with uh, that one. And uh, finally at Woodbine yesterday, the highlight of the day uh, was the, uh, the Woodbine Mile. Uh, grade one event, a million dollars up for grabs. I took a little pop uh, again against the Charlie Appleby because, as I say, I don't think the juggernaut was quite as potent this year uh, as it had been. Well, that changed yesterday with the win in New York and the win in the Woodbine Mile. Master of Time, I put that one right underneath when we talked to uh, Ron Gearkink yesterday. We showed the the lead-up race for uh, Master of the Seas, which looked pretty good. The Summer Mile, a group two at Ascot in the middle of July. Uh, Master of Seas looked pretty good there. And comes over and gets it done yesterday in the Woodbine Mile. Cheryl Spite, who uh, we talked about with Ron, and had, eh, I would guess, star star-crossed year, a tough year. I don't know how you would label it, but going overseas earlier this year. Um, but now stringing a couple together, uh, was able to run well, Shrill Spite. I used War Bomber, the two horse, that one winds up a well-beaten fourth. But they're all well-beaten because Master of the Seas chart margin winds up to be just about four lengths. Um, but a very easy victory under William Buick. Uh, winning your in race uh, and Charlie Appleby. Uh, capitalized on that last year when he won this race with Modern Games and then went on to win uh, the, the mile at uh, the Breeders' Cup. So we'll see what the game plan is. Uh, the follow-up articles weren't certain. It sounded like they were going to head back uh, to the U.K. with Master of the Season and then decide about the Breeders' Cup. But in the next day or two, I would think that would sort itself out a little bit. It was the eighth grade one victory at Woodbine for Charlie Appleby. Pretty nice record for uh, a guy not, you know, based, based uh, across the pond, as it were, to uh, come over and uh, get it done that often. Eight grade one victories at Woodbine for uh, Charlie Appleby. And again, one of those being last year's Woodbine Mile with Modern Games. So follows it up, Master of the Seas, uh, getting it done. Seventh uh, career victory in 14 starts. And with the uh, better part of uh, six, yeah, uh, I would think yesterday went over a million dollars. So Master of the Seas becomes a millionaire in start number 14, victory uh, number seven. And again, all year long, I've been a little skeptical, or most of the year, a little skeptical of the Appleby horses, where, as I say, the juggernaut hasn't been quite as powerful. Well, I think, <laughs> I think my opinion uh, changed yesterday. It looked like you got back on the beam, as it were with uh, the win in New York and the win up at Woodbine. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, take a look. There was a nice little stake in Delaware. I don't think I mentioned that at the top of the show. Talked a little bit about it yesterday in preview. We'll watch that. They can Cape Henlopen. We'll take a look at some of the uh, Churchill action. And then a little bit later on, we'll be joined by Frank Vespi of TheRacingBiz.com. He was at Pimlico yesterday for a nice stakes day in Maryland. All of that. When Racing Across America continues, stay tuned.
No matter where in the world you are, the excitement of wagering on horse racing is just a click away. You'll get live streaming, past performances, race replays, our virtual tote board, analysis and selections from professional handicappers, a simple, safe, and secure wagering platform, and best of all, you get track prices. CapitalOTBBet.com. Bet any place, anytime at CapitalOTBBet.com. And be sure to download our new mobile app from the iTunes Store or Google Play. Capital OTB is now streaming live on Roku. The RTN Racing Channel on Roku lets you watch OTB TV live through your Roku device or your Amazon Fire Stick, rather than being limited to computers and mobile devices, which means you can now watch OTB live wherever you are. Simply open Roku, scroll to find the RTN Channel, then click on OTB TV. OTB TV on Roku. Try it now. Welcome back to Racing Across America. Seth Mayer in the studio. Again, thanks for uh, joining us as always. Um, I always like to remind people as we're close to Saratoga, if you uh, know people who were in town for Saratoga and uh, liked the programming and said, gee, I wish we had this where we were, and they went back home. I meet people all season long, and more and more people are now aware of it and say to me, hey, I'm down in Long Island. I watch you. I'm down in Florida, and I watch you. Uh, but remind people that uh, we are available, the morning programming on our Capital OTB YouTube channel, uh, some of the other social media platforms via Roku. Uh, and as I say, more and more people are kind of being uh, getting aware of that because I hear that from folks. But I do still hear from people, gee, we'd love to be able to watch you. And I alert them. If you do watch on the YouTube channel, uh, don't forget, uh, like, subscribe, leave a comment, positive comment, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, but that all, uh, if you do that kind of thing, that moves us up the, the search algorithm. And so just uh, allows it to be exposed to more people who, who might be interested, um, you know, people who are searching for horse racing type of things, that'll move uh, up a little bit. So as I say, like, subscribe, make some comments. Um, but again, remind people that, that we're out there. We appreciate that because it'll help spread the word. Uh, yesterday at Delaware, uh, I noted it yesterday because there were a couple of interesting horses in the Cape Henlopen. Um, a couple of scratches, so it scratched down to a field of eight. But it was still a nice little field in here, a couple hundred thousand dollars up for grabs, a mile and a half on the grass uh, at Delaware. The two notable horses, Tawny Port, who uh, last year had been a nice little three-year-old uh, for uh, Brad Cox. Uh, seventh in the Kentucky Derby, but he'd won the Lexington, he'd won the Ohio Derby, he was third in the Jim Dandy. So Tawny Port had some ability, uh, you know, wasn't knocking it dead, wasn't sitting up at the top of the class, but was was running well uh, against some of the better members of the class. Now, this year, moves into the barn of Christophe Clement, and they tried the turf. Um, flopped in the bowling green at the beginning of the Saratoga meet in uh, the first turf start, but then followed up in the restricted John's call with a nice win. And so Tawny Port in the third turf start of the career was a little bit interesting yesterday. But another one, the venerable... Uh, cross-border at nine years old, uh, coming off a third-place finish in an optional claimer up at Saratoga. Uh, earlier this season, he had gone over the jumps and won a jump race at Aiken down in South Carolina. And given that nine years old, they have him over the jumps, uh, you know, you might have thought, eh, 
eh, cross-border, maybe the flat career. And uh, the follow-up article to uh, yesterday's Ken Cape Henlopen in, uh, in the Daily Racing Forum by Dan Illman, he has a uh, paragraph here. Rumors of cross-borders demise on the flat were greatly exaggerated, and that's the case here. As the nine-year-old gets it done, cross-border will be uh, the number eight horse here with a nice late run to get up and win pretty easily over number seven, Tawny Port, who had gone out and set the early fractions. Trevor McCarthy on Tawny Port tried to steal it, and um, it looked like that was uh, going to be the case. Um, and you can see this is the first time around because it is a mile and a half. And Tawny Port is setting, you know, an easy uh, lead here. And Trevor McCarthy, the, the, the Dan Illman article kind of notes, let me see if I can find the wording here. He said, uh, looked as if McCarthy tried to steal away to an insurmountable advantage early on the backstretch. And you can see him working a little bit here. But as uh, Illman said, as he scrubbed on the chalk to keep extending, the rest of the field wouldn't let Tawny Port shake completely clear. And you can kind of see that happening. Tawny Port, though, even though uh, getting some work here, opens up enough to uh, eventually will hold on and run a uh, pretty clear second. Tough tickets third, commandeer uh, fourth. But, again, we will see the uh, stretch run from cross-border. You can see sitting back in, uh, what, next to last position, I, yeah, sitting seventh. Uh, back there and you can see cross-border tips out um, under Ruben Silvera and you can see the momentum starting to come. Tawny Port's still running well. Tawny Port's still going well and as I say we'll wind up a, a clear second but on the outside here comes here comes the old guy and mows him down late. Uh, again sharp margin just over two lengths uh, over three lengths from second to third so again Tawny Port ran very well but could not hold off the nine-year-old late. Uh, and as I say, the, the race was ungraded, a uh, little stakes race down at Delaware, but with those two horses in there, it was certainly a lot of fun uh, to watch and, and played out the two horses you want. Kind of had a little, little something going. Tawny poured out in front. Was he going to hold on? And then a big, big late run from uh, cross border. So that was kind of fun. All right, uh, let's go down to... Uh, Churchill and uh, take a look at some of the stake section down there. Um, this is another one that had a nice story in it. The uh, Th Louisville Thoroughbred Society um, short field. Uh, there was only a field of six in here, sprinters. But Strobe, who had shown some promise for Brad Cox, was in the mix. But maybe more importantly, Bango. Uh, was the one to watch. Bango, who had 10 wins in 18 career starts at Churchill, uh, goes to make it 11 off a win over at Ellis in a stake uh, back on the 1st of July. So sat off most of the summer, but came back yesterday for a trainer, Greg Foley, and gets it done. The uh, kind of, You know, you get a horse like this, it becomes a fan favorite, and that was clear yesterday. Tyler Gaffleone on board, number four, Bango gets it done. $1.16 to the dollar odds. Uh, Strobe, the six to five second choice, showed some punch early but faded and ran sixth. Again, he had shown some class in the career but um, hadn't kind of fulfilled when asked at certain points. But Bango certainly did with a gutsy head victory 
over Gulfstream Way, who was right there and seemed poised to move by. But Bango said, no, I am the king of uh, Churchill and lives up to it. Yesterday's win uh, tied Bango with Reddy's Rocket uh, for all-time wins at Churchill Downs. Now they each have 11. Uh, Greg Foley, the trainer, expected Bango to, to get a shot at making the record uh, solo his sometime in November. We'll see. Reddy's Rocket, the co-leader, uh, all of his wins were in claimers and, and starter allowances. So on the class level, clearly Bango uh, with some stakes victories like yesterday. Um, his road was a little bit tougher than Reddy's Rocket, but 11 victories and there were smiles and there was a nice you know, printed up uh, poster that they all held up in the winner's circle uh, yesterday for Bango, who again, that kind of a performer has a nice fan following and they all enjoyed it yesterday. Uh, the Open Mind, uh, this is for the Phillies and Mayors sprinting. Um, I like Wicked Halo in here. That one uh, did go off as the short-priced favorite, but will disappoint. Uguri uh, gets the victory. This is a horse that had some class earlier in the career. Um, last year tried the Kentucky Oaks and didn't show much, but was coming out of a win in the fantasy before that. Two starts back this year, had won the Sailorville at Prairie Meadows, tried the synthetic uh, in the previous start at Presque Isle and didn't get it done there. But as I say, there was some back class and Uguri lived up to that yesterday pretty easily, winning by uh, three lengths. So nice win there, Flavian Pratt, uh, Rudy Bursett getting it done uh, in the open mind yesterday down at Churchill. Uh, two-year-old action, I say it all the time, two-year-old action, not just on the stakes side of things, but in the maiden races and a first-level allowance, uh, if those go. Uh, the fall, the September meet, and particularly the one a little bit later on, produce two-year-olds that are definitely worth watching. So we'll see if that plays out again this year. I expected to with the two-year-old stakes yesterday. Uh, the Pocahontas, um, I had the, the eventual winner down in the third spot. Um, I lost my top pick, uh, but I moved up number nine, Hot Beach. That one's going to wind up third in here, and a well-beaten third uh, as the, the winner kind of runs away with it. But I had used VV's Dream, the winner. Uh, down at the bottom of my mix, it's a Ken McPeak runner that debuted with a really nice victory at Churchill back in May, then went into a two-year-old stake and ran a close-up second at Ellis, in the second career start. This was the third start. But do note that second career start, the debutante at Ellis ran a half length behind the winner. The winner, bright work, who went on to, to maybe flatter that performance with the nice wins up at Saratoga. Um, this uh, bright work looked great. So again, that close up second to uh, two bright works that VV's dream may be something. Spent most of the summer on the sidelines for Ken McPeak came back very nicely yesterday to win the chart margin just under nine lengths. Um, Brian Hernandez on board, regular guy riding for uh, Ken McPeak. So Ken McPeak, a nice little two-year-old filly you have to look, think going forward, gets it done at the mile yesterday. And uh, the two-year-old boys side of things, um, Risk It was the one taking all the action. I don't think Risk It ran badly, but at 6-5, to five, it was certainly uh, disappointing. Um, the winner in here, though, West Saratoga, 
This one's kind of interesting. Um, West Saratoga, this was the sixth career start. One win, uh, three seconds, and five starts prior. But the last win at Ellis, when stretched out to a mile, was clearly the best of the career and seemed to indicate maybe a light bulb moment. And that's now what it looks like. West Saratoga's the two horse here. Uh, moves off, wins by just under a couple of lengths. Number three, risk it. Um, number eight, risk it, excuse me. Number eight, risk it is going to wind up holding on for second. Uh, Liberal Arts uh, third, sees the gray fourth. Um, you know, and Riskett was coming off of a nice big win up at Saratoga in the debut effort. Son of Gunrunner, Winchell Thoroughbred, Steve Asmussen. So six to five, you can see why with those connections and that nice win. And as they say, disappointed a little bit, but you know, sometimes it's new track, stretched out to uh, the mile off the six furlongs up at Saratoga. A little bit of a salty group, certainly. Um, so uh, I'm not going to, you know, I want to see maybe one more from Riskett. Uh, but West Saratoga, as I say, I think just has kind of figured it out. Uh, now strings a couple together. I didn't see the number. Uh, the number in the maiden breaker for West Saratoga was a pretty solid 81. I haven't seen any numbers yesterday in any of these stakes races yet, but we'll see what West Saratoga got. And uh, finally down at uh, Churchill yesterday, it was the Locust Grove for the Phillies and Mayors going a mile and a 16th. And I'll tell you what, this was a, this was a nice field in here. Um, I had search results on top, but Hidden Connection, um, who has run very well throughout the career, Pauline's Pearl for uh, Steve Asmussen, and uh, Stone Street, who's a nice stakes winner in her own right. Um, I had search results on top, and search results will get it done here. Um, and pretty easily as the nine to five favorite. Hidden Connection though runs well. Hidden Connection, the number six, runs second. Misty Vale, third. Pauline's Pearl, fourth. Um, but search results, Tyler Gaffleone on board for Chad Brown and Klarovich coming out of a third place finish in the Molly Pitcher. But more importantly, two starts back, it just missed in the, <coughs> excuse me, the Ogden Phipps against Clarier. And kind of runs back to that effort here, you would think. Uh, as, uh, again, the number four horse chart margin is uh, over three lengths over Hidden Connection. So nice win for Chad Klarovich and uh, Tyler Gaffleone in the Locust Grove grade three event down at Churchill Downs. All right, that takes you through uh, some of the action. Woodbine, Belmont, Delaware, Churchill. And uh, as noted a little earlier, we'll take a break now. We'll come back. Our friend Frank Vespi will join us, and we'll take a look at some of the Pimlico action because again they had really nice stakes uh, on the card yesterday as well. We'll touch on that and more right after this. Stay tuned. What if there was a way to become a better horse player? To have a better knowledge of the game? To be more successful? What if there were a way to take what you've learned, what you know, and make better decisions, better choices? In horse racing, knowledge is a powerful tool race results and replays, past performances and live streaming, wagering from all your digital devices. Capital OTB, become a better horse player. 
No matter where in the world you are, the excitement of wagering on horse racing is just a click away. You'll get live streaming, past performances, race replays, our virtual tote board, analysis and selections from professional handicappers, a simple, safe, and secure wagering platform, and best of all, you get track prices. CapitalOTBBet.com. Bet any place, anytime at CapitalOTBBet.com. And be sure to download our new mobile app from the iTunes Store or Google Play. Capital OTB is now streaming live on Roku. The RTN Racing Channel on Roku lets you watch OTB TV live through your Roku device or your Amazon Fire Stick, rather than being limited to computers and mobile devices, which means you can now watch OTB live wherever you are. Simply open Roku, scroll to find the RTN Channel, then click on OTB TV. OTB TV on Roku. Try it now. Welcome back to Racing Across America on a Sunday morning, a Sunday after a great stakes uh, afternoon across the country yesterday. Part of that, as noted earlier, was down at Pimlico. We had John Piasek on yesterday from the Maryland Horse Breeders Association in preview, in preview of that. And in review, we are joined now by our friend Frank Vespi from theracingbiz.com. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, Seth. Good to, uh, good to join you this morning. Yeah, I, I joined you a couple of times uh, via radio uh, up at Saratoga. And, of course, when we're at Saratoga, we don't really do the phone things, but uh, we're happy to have you back on uh, here on our side of things. Talk a little bit about uh, uh, the radio show. And for folks who aren't familiar with it, can, can they catch archives of that as well? Yes. Yeah, the show airs every Saturday morning at 10 on uh, WNST, which is uh, AM 1570 in Towson. And uh, they can catch uh, the, the replay of it on the racingbiz.com. I'll, uh, I'll have uh, yesterday's up uh, later on this afternoon. So, um, so yeah, on the racingbiz.com, go to the Off to the Races radio tab, and you can catch all the uh, all the replays of that show and also we have a show in Virginia that airs on ESPN Richmond and ESPN Harrisonburg and um, yeah and you can catch the replays of that as well excellent uh, and I always tout the racingbiz.com great coverage of uh, racing in the mid-atlantic region and more um, and that means yesterday and I noted you tweeted out some pictures you were at Pimlico talked to John again yesterday who does some work for you guys as well and he said it was a Chamber of Commerce day is that how it played out it, it couldn't have been a nicer day I mean the weather was just perfect it was uh, it was you know just cool enough so that it was comfortable without you know sometimes you get the oppressive heat and and you didn't it was just cool enough so it was, it was just gorgeous weather I mean the only negative, I guess, were the scratches. There were just there were a lot of scratches, which was too bad. But other than that, everything it was just a perfect day. Yeah, and that noted that obviously in the the highlight, the, the Baltimore Washington International Turf Cup scratched down to a field of four. Uh, we'll take a look yeah. at that as we talk about it. I like smoking tea for a shug coming out of a try in the uh, 
the Mint Million at Kentucky Downs, and a pretty good try, a near-miss uh, third-place finish. But before that, uh, had won the lore up at Saratoga. I liked it. Betting public made it the six-to-five favorite, but in the field of four, Smoke and Tea can do no better than third. Smoke and Tea is going to be the number seven here on the replay. It winds up to be highest distinction getting it done over King Vegas. Smoke and Tea third. He's pure gold. Will wind uh, up the field of four. Nice late run here from highest distinction, though. Chart margin winds up to be just uh, under four lengths. Uh, your thoughts on in the, the International Turf Cup? Well, I think the first thing I'd say here is a name that you want to uh, kind of put in the back of your brain and, and keep an eye on is Lindsay Schultz. She's the trainer of highest distinction. I don't believe I had heard of her until two or three months ago, but in, since the middle of July, she's had four stakes wins, her first four as a trainer, including now two in graded stakes and two with this horse. So pay a little bit of attention to her. I thought it was a good ride here from Hira Rendon. And uh, this horse is just absolutely razor sharp right now. And it, he's won three straight, including the Ocean Port. And his one loss in that period is to Catnip, who turned around to, to win the grade three Monmouth and then run second in the grade one United Nations. So this horse is, you know, he's one that had a little bit of promise as a younger horse. It kind of went sideways for him, but now he's really paying off on that promise. So it, maybe he's the second name to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on Lindsey Schultz. Keep an eye on highest distinction. This horse is in really good form. Yeah, uh, um, as you were talking, and you mentioned that because uh, I found it intriguing, I pulled up the Equibase and, and kind of came on the scene last year, it looks like, did Lindsay Schultz. And they have that bar graph, and the bar graph last year as compared to this year, it's much nicer this year. So I, I, I like that little tout to, to keep our eyes on the trainer who is going very well with a horse who's going very well as, also. Yeah, and actually, you had mentioned the radio show. I interviewed Lindsay on yesterday's program, and uh, she's got an interesting background, actually. She's from Connecticut originally, which is not exactly a racing hotbed, <laughs> um, and grew up sort of in the hunter-jumper world, and then went to college at Louisville and kind of fell in, in love with racing. She worked for Tom Proctor. She worked for some others and uh, struck out on her own a couple years ago and really, really doing well now. Ah, interesting. And maybe Connecticut, uh, Acacia Courtney, of course, Connecticut. So maybe, maybe it's becoming yeah. a hotbed. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm just a little late to the party. Yeah, but me too. I, I used to live there, and it was home to some of the most unusual OTBs I've ever been to, but uh, no live racing in Connecticut. <laughs> uh, but OTBs are fine, though. And, and unusual ones are, are maybe par for the course when you really get get tough. Down, down <laughs> you know, it. you might be right about that. I, I just remember uh, I have two things, but the one I'll, I'll mention is standing in an OTV in Waterbury, which, you know, was kind of seedy, but that's, you kind of expect that at OTVs. But they had no video of the races, just sound. <laughs> So you would just listen to the call of the race, and it's like, and this was in the 2000s, and it felt like about 1973. So, um, interesting spot. As as you started talking, I it dawned on me, boy, back in the day, I remember going in and listening to it, and I was about to ask you about that, and you brought it, but but I'm thinking like 1980, uh, in 2000, yeah, 2000. I guess that would be a little bit. Uh, took took me a while to catch up down there in Connecticut. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Plan to steady habits and all that. Uh, all right, ninth race uh, yesterday at Pimlico, the weather vane. Um, 
I like Miss Buchero when I talked to uh, uh, John Piasek yesterday. Uh, he was in the same boat, and because of that, I thought, well, are we going to get the five to one? And he said, well, I've been talking to other people, and the, the horse does seem to be getting a little bit of buzz. Sure enough, Miss Buchero, three to two. I was not as enamored with Miss Buchero at three to two, and for good reason. Miss Buchero winds up at the three to two favorite, running sixth in the field of seven. Um, and I wasn't sure what to make off of the Penn National race, but the last workout was okay. So there are things to like. The price wasn't one of them as the horse went off. But the eventual winner, Apple Picker, I have to admit, uh, I, I left that one a little further down in my mix. And on further review at 8-1, to one, Michael Dubb, Brittany Russell, a horse that started the career with some promise and was making an interesting turf-to-dirt move, was a little more interesting than the 8-1 to one price indicated. So on price, uh, I... I I should have flipped mine up because Apple Picker was far more attractive with an interesting story at eight to one. Your thoughts on the weather vane? Yeah, I, I'd like to tell you that I was smart enough to get to Apple Picker, but I, I'm not, and I didn't. But no, you're exactly right. This is a horse they clearly liked early in her career. You know, she won at first asking. They put her in the Adirondack. They put her in the Spinaway. Those didn't go too well. Then they gave her some time away and and gave her to Brittany and, and Brittany was saying you know maybe they maybe it was just maybe those waters were a little too deep so they they tried her on the turf in the stormy blues and she made a late run but too late and then they thought well let's stretch her out on the turf and the searching and that didn't go well so they were kind of like well let, let's go back to the dirt and kind of see what happens and uh, you know I I think. Brittany and her husband, Sheldon, who rode the horse, they, they won two stakes uh, yesterday. And uh, I kind of think they were uh, kind of surprised, kind of like, oh, good. <laughs> this, this is great. Now, now she can do this. And, and you know, Brittany had kind of said, we, we've made no plans because we just weren't quite sure what was going to happen here. But, uh, you know, I thought Sheldon gave her a perfect trip off the speed. You had... Yeah, I talked to the judge and Ms. Bocero going at it, and Lake Frost was kind of up there too, and so just kind of sat forth and made the move, and and that was that was clearly going to be the winning trip there. So, I, I will be curious to see what happens next with this horse. Yeah, and you know we talked about up and coming trainers. Certainly, you go back a couple of falls ago, and Brittany Russell went on everybody's radar at about 50%, and that has to include Michael Dubb, who uh, has sent a few horses to her, including Apple Picker. And, and uh, again, it was, uh, given what happened yesterday, probably a good move because the New York company, New York Stakes company, the waters were probably a little too deep, but fit in very nicely yesterday at 8-1. to one. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you're right. I mean, we were sort of talking yesterday uh, about Brittany's career, and, and, you know, she is now getting a lot of, like, kind of the second-string horses, Rapoli sending her horses, Dub, Gold Square. You know, you're seeing a lot of sort of high-end owners sending the second string to Maryland and Brittany, which kind of makes you think at some point, you know, the move to, to New York may be maybe a thing that happens for her so uh, definitely another another up-and-coming trainer a little bit farther along the road than Lindsay Schultz is at this point but uh, certainly doing a good job with some good stock she, could she go and leave Sheldon back in Maryland <laughs> I don't know. If it, I don't know if it, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, we, obviously, we don't know the family dynamic. And uh, <laughs> Sheldon's a good rider. You yeah. know, if he could, if he had managed to stay healthy for much of his career, he he would have had a really, 
you know, he's had a nice career, but he would have had a really good career, but he, he's been injured just a million times, and that's really held him back from kind of putting up the numbers that would make people go like, oh, he, he is good. He, he, he is definitely good, and, and again, they're based down in Maryland, so I'm not predicting anything. Uh, I think you're right, though. The, the trajectory for Brittany uh, may be towards uh, running more in New York. But I do think, and again, I'm not predicting anything, but uh, Sheldon, I think, would be a great fit in the wintertime in New York. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you, you, you've seen it with Trevor McCarthy, yeah. um, who, you know, went up there and has done well at the Aqueduct meet and, you know, maybe scuffled a little bit more at Saratoga and, and maybe at Belmont. But, but you know, there's, there's plenty, of, uh, plenty of money to be made in New York during the, during the winter, and, and uh, I, I think Sheldon would be fine there. I, you know, speaking of Trevor McCarthy, I had Joe Migliori on his agent this summer. We were talking a little about Trevor and obviously Katie Davis, who had a really, a really fun Saratoga meet. Obviously, being a local, when she got a win, the crowd would go wild. And as you say, Trevor was was kind of struggling a little bit at Saratoga, but he had a great meet when he went out of town at, at Monmouth. Uh, that that uh, gets overlooked a little bit. Uh, his summer was okay. It was just more on the Jersey Shore when he traveled down there. Yeah, no, and I, it's actually, speaking of Trevor, I had him on the radio show yesterday as well, and, uh, you know, he went down to Colonial Downs, too, yeah, uh, yeah. for their closing day, and he won the Virginia Oaks and the Colonial Cup, so, uh, you know, he, he, Trevor's a really good rider, and he's going to find ways to win races, and, you know, he may not get all the opportunities at places like Saratoga that he'd like, but the kid's a good rider, so I, I, he'll get plenty of opportunities here and there. And, you know, he, he had a mount um, yesterday in the Cape Henlopen for Christophe Clement, which uh, Tawny Port came in second there. Um, but, you know, so that that's helped him. You know, some of those guys may not use them that much in New York, but might like to send them out of, out of town from time to time for a stakes run as well. So, uh, you know, a lot of ways to cobble this together if you're, if you're a pretty good rider. Yeah, and I, when I had Joe on, Joe noted, you know, Trevor was on the sidelines for a while with the, an injury, and it takes a while to kind of get back. But he, he yeah, as you noted, with Colonial, with the Monmouth, and the ride yesterday, I showed that race earlier because Tawny Port was in there. You know, it's an ungraded stake, but I showed it because Tawny Port was in there and cross border was in there and cross the night the venerable nine-year-old who won over the jumps earlier this year comes back and wins the cape henlope and then i you know i thought tony port ran well after setting the early pace but it was fun to see the nine-year-old win down at delaware yesterday yeah i i thought that was actually a really fun race yeah. you know between the nine-year-old and then tony port's just an interesting horse and um I was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It looked like Trevor really wanted uh, Tawny Port to kind of open it up on yeah. the backstretch, and he, he didn't quite open it up. And, and, you know, when I talked to Trevor about him, he said, well, he's sort of one-paced. You know, he has a pretty high cruising speed. He can, he, he can keep going and going, but he's not a big, you know, sort of turn-of-foot kind of horse. And, and I think he kind of saw that. Like, even when he was kind of asking him, he was he was going pretty well, but he wasn't, you know, I think he wanted him to kind of get seven clear and make him come, you know, yeah. play catch me. And that didn't quite work out. Obviously. Yeah, the follow-up article in the Racing Forum by Dan Illman made that point that it looked like. And then as I was quoting the article as we were watching the race, and you could see on the backstretch, he's working. He wants to open up. He just couldn't open up. But I thought he still ran a decent race, but it was fun to see uh 
the, the elder get it done again after having won a jump race earlier this year. And Illman in the article said, <laughs> said the demise of cross country's flat career was greatly exaggerated. And that, uh, so that was, it was fun yesterday, <laughs> a fun little ungraded stake. All right, let's get back to Pimlico. Uh, the all along yesterday, mile and eighth on the grass. And I talked with John Piasek about this one. And I said, and I looked it up afterwards, I can't find anything. But I'd love to talk to Al Gold because he always has clever names. I got to find out what Full Count Felicia is all about. But Full Count Felicia, as you mentioned earlier, Brittany Russell training now some horses for Al Gold and Gold Swear. Gets it done yesterday in the uh, all along. Full Count Felicia is going to be the number one horse here. The second choice uh, behind Walla Kia, who uh, runs second as uh the six to five favorite, but full count Felicia was also six to five. Just uh, the favoritism tilted slightly towards the two horse. But you can see full count Felicia wins here very, very easily. Your thoughts on the all along? Well, this was one of those races where, you know, every once in a while you see a race and you, and you say, like, every step this horse was a winner, and that was this race. There was never one second where the outcome of this race was in doubt. Full Count Felicia, you know, kind of popped out of there on top right away, which actually, interestingly enough, wasn't the plan. Uh, you know, I, I asked Brittany, was that the plan? And she said, not even a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, basically what, what she and Sheldon had sort of discussed is don't choke her, you know. Let her get out. Don't choke her. If she ends up in front, that's fine. And if she doesn't, that's fine, too. But just kind of let her do her thing. And this was a very, very impressive effort. I, I think you, you know, this is another horse you, you may want to keep an eye on. I mean, she, she laid waste to this field. And, and you know, Willakia had looked like she was going to be okay. Creative Cairo looks like she might be okay. And neither of those horses was really in the same zip code as full count felicia so uh she's a horse that now has won four out of five since she got into Brittany's barn and the one race she lost was the the virginia oaks which was probably a little bit of a heavy lift uh, you know off her maiden score and you know she finished behind spirit and glory and sparkle blue sparkle blues won i think a couple of graded stakes now so uh that race may have been flattered a little bit since then and and now she's come back and won three more and and looks like looks like she can find you know swim in deeper waters than these yeah you look early in the career when she was in new york for chad summers and al gold um she was showing some speed but it looks like subsequently they just decided her style was off the pace but not yesterday went back to uh the speed play and got it done and got it done pretty easily in the all along uh the light diffuse yesterday um Again, this is a little bit of a scratch-reduced field of five in here. Um, I like Jackson Traveler. I thought the, the Asmussen West Point runner might uh, have found a nice field to kind of rebound to a, a better performance. Poof, that was not the case. Uh, at six to one, Jackson Traveler winds up last in the field of five. But the winner, number one, dollarization, 30 to one on the morning line, 18 to one in the scratch-reduced field as the longest price on the board and wins pretty easily. Does win pretty easily. This was a, you know, this was, it, this figured to be wonder where Craig is for Brittany and Sheldon. He was one to two. Obviously, Jackson Traveler, a graded stakes winner. I, he, you know, figured to be a major player in here. And they ended up kind of taking each other out. You know, yeah. they fought it out on the front end and then were unable to res resist the late runners. Dollarization 
as you said, wins easily. I thought this was a nice ride from from uh, Angel Rodriguez, who kind of bided his time and came between. But watching the replay, I mean, if you if you kind of spin it back onto the like turn head of the lane area, he's sitting on a ton of horse, and he just needs a place to put or put him. And once he got that place, once he came between, he was easily best. This is a horse. You know, the current owner, Jim Wolf, claimed this horse for $16,000 a couple of years ago, and I asked him what he, what he had seen, and he, he basically said, well, he still had all his, uh, all his conditions. He had PA bred conditions. He had allowance conditions if he could be good enough. So, you know, we're, we like that, and now he's gone on. He's, he's made, uh, this is going to get him close to $300,000, and I mean, he looks like he fits in these kind of stakes, you know, these little $100,000 stakes here and there. And we have them in Maryland about, seems like, you know, three times a month. So um, it, he'll have plenty of opportunities. And, I, you know, one, one um, handicapping note, if you're looking for things in his form, you go back to the Let's Give Thanks in November. He was beaten two lanes by Repo Rocks, mm-hmm. who then goes on and win a couple of graded stakes. So there was something there. I didn't get to it, but there was something there if you wanted to find it. I didn't get to it either, but, man, he made it look <laughs> easy. Uh, that was a nice win. All right, let's uh, look at the Ben's Cat, and, and I'll, I'll let you maybe reminisce a little. I talked to John Piasek, as they say, yesterday, and I wasn't sure if he was too young to, to maybe remember the meat of Ben's Cat's career. I mean, he, you know, it wasn't that long ago he was racing, but the real the, the big part of the career was, you know, eight or ten years ago. But, boy, for folks right. who don't remember Ben's cat, some performer. And John noted uh, King Leatherberry was, was placed in, what, the Maryland Racing Hall of Fame just recently? King Leatherberry, uh, the trainer of Ben's cat. Uh, you reminisce about that one uh, a little bit because Ben's cat, again, a very special horse down there in Maryland. A very special horse. Actually, it was Ben's cat was put in the Maryland Thoroughbred Hall of oh, okay. Fame. It's, okay. it's horses only. And uh, I, I was fortunate enough to get a chance to interview King about it, about Ben's cat and about his run. And I, he's, he's very candid. You know, Ben's cat, he says, you know, King is in the National Racing Hall of Fame. And, it, you know, it, Ben's cat was kind of the horse that got him there because he was he was sort of the horse that forced people to pay attention to King long enough to kind of reconsider what he had accomplished in his career and to realize how how special that had been. And uh, I, I will also tell you, King's favorite race at Ben's Cat, which is a lot of people's favorite race at Ben's Cat, was the last time he won, which was uh, in the Jim McKay turf sprint when I think he was 10 years old. And it looked like there was no chance he could win in the middle of the stretch, and he ended up getting up to win. And and uh, one of the things King points out about that is he loves Dave Rodman's call because he, he kind of goes, "Can he get there?" And then, then when he does, he gets, it's the year of the cat, and you know, so it's 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 good stuff. I mean, that was a really special horse, and people people forget, you know, early in his career, he had won a win in your end of the Breeders' Cup. And King was, I mean, Ben's Cat was not Breeders' Cup nominated. So King was trying to figure out how to come up with $100,000 to nominate him and thought he had a deal put together and then didn't. So he never did nominate him. But that year, horses that he beat in the race at Parks, which was the win in your end, ran one, two, three in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. 
Uh, and again, for folks who aren't familiar with Ben's cat, uh, go look up and look up King Leatherberry as well. Uh, prolific uh, trainer there on the Mid-Atlantic Circuit. Uh, so the six yesterday was named after Ben's cat, $75,000 up for grabs. Wanted to show the replay here because it is the uh, sibling to Caravel uh, getting it done. Witty will get it done uh, as the four to five favorite. Heavy on Toledo on board. Elizabeth Merriman uh, owning uh, the you know, original owner of Caravel, uh, and Witty continues uh, the uh, high performances of the offspring of ZZ Zoom Zoom. Your thoughts uh, in the Ben's Cat? Well, one, one thought here is this is uh, almost certainly going to be a Maryland Million Turf Sprint preview because Witty and the runner-ups, guys not falling, who was second ahead, are both Maryland sired, so uh, that's one we'll probably keep an eye on. Whitty's an interesting horse. He, was, he had won a couple of stakes on the dirt, and for a minute you kind of thought, ooh, this guy might be a star, and that didn't quite happen. And they've, they've you know, he, he had had some uh, not-so-great tries on the turf, but more recently they put him on the turf, and he had run second in three consecutive stakes sprinting. And then, So this looks like his thing, sprinting on the turf. It looks like it's going to be his thing, same as Caravel, his half, half excuse me, half sister. Uh, so, you know, I think he's going to be he's going to be a pretty okay turf sprinter. You know, spotted in these sorts of spots. Uh, you know, he's not a Breeders' Cup kind of horse. At least nothing we've seen from him suggests that. But, but in these kinds of races, he's, he should be right there pretty much all the time. And. Parenthetically, there's another uh, another sibling on the way, a horse named Enzo, who's an unraced two-year-old. Ah, okay. Well, so we'll watch for that one. Uh, Witty, I have to say the connections must be happy, though, because five second-place finishes and seven starts this year before that one. And so to hold <laughs> off for that margin of victory, you have to wonder if your horse just isn't, you know, wants to – in the stretch wants to say, no, you go first. But yesterday uh, was very gutsy. All right, let's take a look at, uh, finally, the stakes action. It kicked off on the afternoon with the shine again. Um, you know, no surprise here. Intrepid uh, Daydream is the even money favorite. Uh, John Piesic yesterday uh, thought this horse looked pretty good. Uh, off the recent form, I was right there as well. A couple of seconds, bookending a third, all pretty close up. Uh, finishes an intrepid daydream got it done yesterday in the shine again yeah the, the, i talked to larry fowler afterwards who's the owner breeder and and he was kind of said man this was a long time coming <laughs> you know this is a horse that that i mean showed tremendous early promise it won one two of, of her first three starts by a combined total of like 27 lanes but then got beat in the tax-free distaff at, at two to five. Got beaten the Caesar's Wish as the favorite. Had a bunch of you know races where ran well, but didn't win as the favorite. And and finally gets it done there here and gets it done fairly decisively. I I tell you what I'm really interested in. I want to see this horse go around two turns again. And that's something that uh, trainer Gary Capuano talked about as well. This horse has only been around two turns one time. That was a maiden race, so, you know, sort of taken under advisement, but won by 16 lengths the one time she did it. And they haven't been able to find it. Two, you know, it's just hard to find two-turn races that fit the condition that you're in. And, uh, you know, so they tried her on the one-turn mile at Laurel, and she ran well to be third, beat less than a length behind Hybrid Eclipse and Award Wanted. Uh, but I, I, I'm, and this was a nice swing going three quarters, but 
I, I hope they find her a two-turn spot soon. I want to see what she does. Yeah, and it, again, you know, up at Saratoga, I'm in the mix with a lot of people uh, on the show and just on the front side, and that's the lament from... I think folks who are fans don't realize how tough it is for owners to sometimes you got to have a horse who's breaking down the barn or a horse who wants something specific and it's just tough to get those in the condition book sometimes i think a lot of people don't kind of realize that and speaking of not realizing frank before we let you go uh they're at pimlico a little short meet at pimlico uh we were talking yesterday with john a little bit about timonium and uh, the ferris wheel and love to get down there at some <laughs> point um, but, and, and, you know, we don't have much time, and this maybe deserves a longer discussion, but we haven't talked to you in a while, and I'm just curious as to what's the, what's the Maryland situation right now, because it seems like this year things have been a little bit up in the air. Uh, yeah, if, if you could see me, uh, you would see me throwing my hands in the air. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, basically the situation right now is a lot of things are sort of on hold. So we're racing. The horsemen and track have a contract through the end of the year, but that's it. There's a racetrack operating authority that is tasked with uh, analyzing, you know, sort of quote-unquote best models for running thoroughbred racing in Maryland. They're supposed to report to the legislature by December 1st. I I would fully expect that their report's going to say that this current model of, you know, a private owner operating the tracks isn't the right one. That that would be my guess. I don't know that for a fact, but my guess is that's what they're going to say, and that a model like Naira or Del Mar is a better model. But I don't know. Then there's the whole issue of the facilities that need hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, and nobody quite knows where that money would come from. Um, So I hate to say it, Seth, but your guess is good as mine. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, we've talked about it before, and it just—it seemed like Maryland was on a good trajectory. First, the whole, yeah. you know, going back a few years ago, and, and Stronic missing out on the slot machines, and you kind of put your, you know, your hand to your head with that one. But then it seemed like Maryland had gotten back to the right footing and a good trajectory. But again, the last—I don't know—into this year, certainly um, things are up in the air. And, and as a racing fan, and just having watched for years and years now, Maryland is just such an important circuit on the American racing scene. Uh, we're rooting for things to work down there, but a great way to keep up with it. Again, theracingbiz.com. Frank Vespi uh, and company doing a lot of great coverage of the Mid-Atlantic region, not just the racing side, but the news side as well. So Frank, we'll be checking you out uh, as things progress down there in Maryland. But we appreciate the visit this morning. Well, thanks so much for having me. Always, always a pleasure. And, and by the way, thanks for coming on our show a couple times when you were at Saratoga. Much appreciated. I uh, always like to evangelize a little bit uh, and, and get uh, people up, <laughs> people to come up to Saratoga and enjoy uh, that. And, and we got to get you up there next year. Yeah, you do have to get me up there next year. I, I you know, I keep having good intentions, but with Timonium and then Colonial and it's uh, just yeah. a lot of stuff. But what I need to do is just focus on getting up there early in the meet because uh, uh, i had friends asking for you i i I texted you a couple of times some frank (laughs) vesky friend sightings up there very good uh frank again appreciate it we'll talk again all right thanks a lot seth Frank Vespi from the Racing Biz. Again, nice little stakes day down at uh, Pimlico yesterday on what was really a nice stakes day uh, overall. Uh, the, the Belmont race was very fun, but then the nice stakes at Woodbine, highlighted by uh, the Mile, the two-year-old stakes, and others down at uh, 
Churchill yesterday, that Cape Henlopen at Delaware was a lot of fun with cross-border over Tawny Port and then the Pimlico Stakes as well. All right, I'm going to wrap it up, but uh, I will be back in, in uh, well, a little less than an hour and a half for uh, OTB Live for a Sunday afternoon. Lots of great stakes action uh, today. I have some uh, Belmont at Aqueduct. I have some Churchill and probably throw a little uh, Saratoga harness in the mix as we tend to do on Sunday. So all of that coming up. OTB Live for Sunday afternoon. Don't forget uh, Football Sunday here at the Clubhouse Racebook. We'd love to have you stop down and enjoy all the racing action, all the football action, maybe grab a little lunch. Should be a lot of fun here at the Clubhouse Racebook, 7-Eleven Central Avenue in Albany. And once again, don't forget, Friday, I will have a $150 Pick 5 bankroll. Um, the team will get selected online uh, Entries open on Wednesday at CapitalOTV.com. And as I said, I will probably open up uh, the w entries uh, just about the time I get in here Wednesday afternoon. I'll sit down at the computer and open those up. So, you know, lunchtime or so, things will open up. Uh, put your name in the hat, uh, and we will select the team for the Friday bankroll team. Should be a lot of fun. All right. I'm going to wrap it up. Seth Merrow, racing across America for a Sunday morning. Again, thanks for joining us. Always appreciate uh, the viewership. Hopefully we gave you some interesting, fun information, entertaining, informative. That's the game plan. And we will try to do more of the same a little bit later on this afternoon when we're back for OTB Live. And as I say, just about an hour and a half, a little less than that or so. We'll see you then. You're watching OTB TV, a service of Capital Off-Track Betting.